0: Today on our show, we're giving you not one, not two, but three reviews. One of them being about Rampage, who's a not-so-curious ape called George. And finally, we're going to bring you up to speed on all the films you need to see before Infinity War.
1: In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two Ordinary Men, armed with unqualified opinions talk filmy to me
0: hello welcome to the talk filmy to me podcast the podcast about film entertainment and general pop culture My name is Adam Flint. You can find us on Twitter at TalkFilmyToMe. You're listening to episode 26, probably episode 30-something on your podcast device. That's because I had a bit of a fuck-up the other week and accidentally uploaded the wrong file. Joining me on the pod today, it's my main man, it's my OG, the guy who's worked on computer games like Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero 2, Band Hero. He's worked for Disney, but he's not under the influence of Mouse. John, Deska, how you doing, buddy?
1: Yeah, you've You forgot DJ Hero, the best one, which you can find in all good charity shops for around 12p now. (laughs) Uh, Absolute bargain. Brilliant game. Listen to the mashups. Um, Yeah, I'm great. I'm not bad at all. I've had a lovely little, you know, holiday off in the Cotswolds and now back back to work. You know how it is, Flinty. Yeah. Working hard.
0: Apologies to our listeners. We've had a couple of weeks um, on hiatus, really. The show took a, a bit of a break. Reason for that is I was out of the country. John's busy of his own endeavours. Um, I was out of the country, actually, with a gentleman called Tom. It was his stag. Uh, he's a host of a podcast called Rest Hold Wrestling, uh, a podcast which is about the nostalgia days of wrestling, the sort of early 2000s. I highly recommend it and, um, and I after he he probably needs to give it a couple of weeks before he can record again, being able to speak. But John, you're you were seeing your lovely missus performing on stage. Do you want to do you want to give her a plug? As dodgy as that sounds.
1: Well, it's only on for another week, but at the Barn Theatre in Sirencester, in the UK, my wife is performing in Secret Garden, which is an awesome adaptation. Think Mumford and Sons style uh, instruments and performing, uh, and Secret Garden is it's absolutely brilliant. It's I'm genuinely really impressed with it. Not because my wife's in it, but because it's amazing. So yeah, check it out, it's only on for another week. But don't worry, I'll plug I'll plug our next show. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Do you remember sorry to go UK centric on this. Do you remember when Gary Barlow done like a Mumford and Sons rip off album? Yeah,
1: I remember oh the I listened heard it the other day. Da, 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 da.
0: Yeah, the song. Yeah, I hated it. Do you know what? <laughs> do you know what happens to that album, right? Because obviously, a lot of people went, "What the fuck's this? You just copying Mumford and Sons? You're obviously trying to be like, hi, 'Hi, I'm Gary. I'm trying to be down with the kids, and they like Mumford.' So, um, uh, but that song has ended up on like an advert where a dog sings it, and it's absolutely incredible. You're seeing this happy dog singing that song takes all the evilness from that song and puts it all in perspective. So that's nice to start yeah. the podcast. Yeah, Gary Barlow's anyway, sh-
1: he's, a bit of a, he's a bit of a big lovable dog, isn't he, actually? He can write uh, the occasional good melody.
0: He could do, and speaking of lovable dogs, we're going to do a quick recap on some films that we promised we'll do reviews on in previous pods, but due to the hiatus, haven't been able to report on it yet. We're going to be talking about Isle of Dogs just in a bit. But before that, shall we crack on with news? Please. News. Cool, so um, over the last week loads of trailers have been dropping it's quite a trailer heavy uh, news week at the moment but let's talk about uh, The Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World a lot of people are saying this is very similar to The Lost World in terms of setup and feel again it's the second one in the in this new trilogy but um, we've got a real in-depth look of what's going to be happening in this film. Now the first teaser trailers that come out a few months back remember we reported on, on this pod and um, it basically sort of implies that a lot of dinosaurs are going to be taken off the island but we don't know too much about. Now, Colin Trevorrow, who directed The Lost World, who's going to be back for the third film, did actually help produce this movie and they've said that they're really going for a horror angle on this film and you can really see it in this trailer. John, what's your take on the trailer? Uh It didn't inspire me that much. It had a f- I know what you mean. It had a f- couple of
1: jumpy moments. Chris Pratt seemed a little more... Serious than previous iterations, I guess. But uh, I mean, it, it didn't get me too excited. But I mean, maybe the horror angle is is an interesting take, or is it kind of reek of running out of ideas, short of showing <laughs> lots of dinosaurs in cri- more crazy situations than the last movie? What do you think?
0: I think it's a I think it's a double bluff. I think there, if you remember the marketing campaign for the first film it was very much playing on Jurassic Park. They took the original score, they done done like a, a subtle version of that, they recreated shot for shot various parts of um, Jurassic Park in The Lost World. And I think they're trying to play their hand again by taking elements from The Lost World and kind of stitching that in. So there was a scene in uh, The Lost World where a a uh i think it's a tyrannosaurus rex sticks its head into a bedroom window and scares a child and they're they they pretty much recreate that scene with again a new species of dinosaur creeping into a child's room and i think it's all a double bluff i think it's going to be completely different i hope it is anyway Um jeff goldblum i really hope he's in it for more than just that courtroom scene yeah
1: i um, love we're... seeing him in it but you do worry that oh we've seen him in it there we go <laughs>
0: I kinda hope he does a complete heel turn. Like um the the guy who was in Jurassic Park who I think his surname's Wong or his character's Wong anyway in the um in uh, Jurassic World where he's basically become the head scientist and he's basically kind of evil now wouldn't it be great if Jeff Goldblum proper does a heel turn on everyone he's just like surprise mm. I own the company fuckers or something It'll be, although people might riot because they generally love Jeff Goldblum and they don't want to see him be evil in anything but I think it'll be interesting if they do a twist on that oh, put it forward maybe they can edit it well, maybe, maybe I know. Um, I know all the big wigs in Hollywood listen to this podcast. Obviously, we keep seem to be reporting on this week on week, but Black Panther has now become the third highest grossing film of all time. Now, let me put that in perspective for you. Now, it just beat Titanic. Now, Titanic was in the cinemas for what felt like forever back in the nineties when it was released. I think it was ninety six or something along those lines. Um, it got re-released for its 10th anniversary and was in cinemas again for weeks upon weeks on end. It's been released on Blu-ray, DVD, multiple editions. That is all incorporated in the gross product of what Titanic has made. And Black Panther has beaten that on its first round in cinema alone. That shows the power this property is having. An absolutely incredible achievement. So what's first and second? uh good question i didn't bother googling it i just read it in the news i assume it'll be something along the lines of star wars probably being number one and i can imagine the avengers being number two yeah i mean the records keep
1: getting broken just obviously because there's more money uh, but um yeah what an achievement uh that's amazing and deservedly yeah. right
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. It's a a brilliant film, and um, it's coming uh, out in terms of... They've they've bumped up the release of it on Blu-ray, I suppose, A, because we've got Infinity War coming out next week, which is kind of Black Panther 1.5, in terms of they're going back to the same locations, it's the same cast, obviously incorporated with the whole Avengers, which we've got a feature later on, actually, about what films you need to see before Infinity War. But anyway, back to Black Panther money-making... they're going to have a sequel, obviously. We know that's going to be inevitable. But they've brought for the release date as well. So I think it's May 5th, uh, day after Star Wars Day, they're going to be releasing uh, on digital download. And this is going to be weird. Because Black Panther has continued to do so well, you can actually still see it in cinemas at the moment, which means it's still going to be in cinema when you can actually go buy it in the supermarket, um, just because of the how the release schedule's been for that. Wow,
1: that's weird. It seems like we're at a turning point, aren't we, in how we yeah, consume... And
0: I think Netflix uh, are kind of also pushing the agenda with that by kind of doing simultaneous releases. So um, in some countries Annihilation was released in cinemas and on Netflix at the same time. And it didn't actually do that bad in the cinemas that it was released in, like people generally went to go see it still. A because you heard of how this film deserved to be on the big screen. But also they just didn't they just weren't aware of oh shit, I got home arts oh, on Netflix as well. Mm. <laughs> but um yeah, I with yes, it's strange times to be alive. But, um, so other trailers that come out so Deadpool 2, the final trailer got released which was absolutely hilarious, I was a bit sceptical from the previous two, there wasn't that many times I thought this was particularly funny, it felt like it was kind of like trying to play on the old tropes of the first film which was so original and so such a surprise package um, but Deadpool 2, they've got their act together in terms of the trailers, this is so funny, have you had a chance to have a look at this one?
1: Well, I haven't, but there's seems like there's been about a hundred trailers for this movie,
0: right? Yeah, there have been. They've done lots of promos and that sort of thing. But I think the thing that that made me laugh the most is they're they're they've clearly allured to the fact that they want to launch a big franchise for the success of, of Deadpool, which rightfully so. You kind of understand it, right? They've made a truckload of money for for not that much investment. Ryan Reynolds embodies Deadpool in such a hilarious way. So they're introducing lots of new characters, and they're kind of taking the piss out of Marvel in terms of their Avengers franchises, taking the piss out of DC of it being so dark, where they even make a call out in the trailer and say, this is fucking dark, Are you sure we're not DC or something? And um, there's one bit in particular where they're going through like a roll call of all these new characters they're introducing and there's this new guy called Pete and he goes oh Pete what's your special power and he goes I don't have a special power I've just saw an ad and about two weeks ago um, someone created a Twitter account called Pete and they've been tweeting um, all these various sort of things which in context don't sound particularly funny but then all of a sudden you think oh my god this is actually the Pete From the movie, and this is a marketing campaign, and I swear to you, just on Twitter, type "Pete Deadpool 2" and you'll be able to find it in the People section. It is the funniest fucking thing I have seen in a hell of a long time. Basically, it's just a normal guy who thinks his wife's cheating on him, so he thought he'll go do something a bit spontaneous, answer an ad in a newspaper to join a superhero team, and they actually take him along. And his tweets are just like, "Went to the pond the other day." ducks are quite cool hashtag please don't leave me sandra (laughs) (laughs) excellent so that's
1: i read some interesting criticism of deadpool and i wondered if you could re retort to it uh so it was just that obviously it's deadpool's part of a wider universe right but they're constantly breaking the fourth wall and they said it it was just sort of criticizing that saying it wasn't particularly clever and it they shouldn't be breaking the fourth wall of this universe like referencing actual real life actors and things like that how do you feel plenty um
0: uh i I think get a fucking life like seriously the (laughs) x-men film franchise universe has been yeah it's fair to say that they have not necessarily although commercially they've been okay critically they've not been okay and The reason why these properties are adapted is because we we love them. We all grew up on that 90s TV show, and they haven't done it justice. They just haven't. And Deadpool was a character in terms of comic books, and I think there was probably some... TV adaptations uh, but there was a video game adaptation that was brilliant as well but it was literally that's how the character was it was fourth wall breaking referencing everything in pop culture and uh, surprisingly aged well even though it was referencing the times throughout the the comics so I'm not not a Deadpool reader just from what I've heard and spoken to people who are really into this sort of stuff so you know what fair play they took a property and they actually made it for their fans and if people got a problem with that then you don't like the property Mm. go watch something else John, it's, you have such a choice to go watch of other stuff. John doesn't like superhero movies that much. Does he sit down and watch every superhero movie I recommend to him? No, because there's other fucking things you can go watch. So if you've got a problem, you know what? Vote with your money. Go, go put it into something yeah. more that you think your money's worth going into.
1: I might want to watch a woman fall in love with a fish and have it off with him. Um, that's my choice you choose to uh, watch superheroes fly around. You know, we all have different tastes and that's fine.
0: Wouldn't it be weird, wouldn't it be weird if The Shape of Water broke the fourth wall like halfway through the film like and it just went into some X-rated comedy (laughs) of, I don't know, the fish just looks at the camera and goes, I wonder who's going to smell fishy after? I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe you should write to Del Toro See see if he's up for that.
0: Well, I'll, I'll put it with the other fan letters I keep sending him. So anyway, <laughs> another trailer got released. Uh, Equalizer two, uh, Equalizer, a Denzel Washington movie came out about three or four years ago. Think fit in the people compare it to John Wick. I wouldn't necessarily compare that film to John Wick, but basically it's a similar tropes in terms of ex-SAS special operatives guy leaves that life to have a normal life, and it catches up with him, and he has to he has to reprise his action w- e ways and has to go after various bad guys. It was a bit of a success um, in terms of fanfare. It's kind of become a bit of a cult hit. Denzel Washington, one of the greatest actors of his generation. Think about films like American Gangster, The Hurricane, Remember the Titans. There's, the list goes on and on and on. And he has never done a sequel in his illustrious career. Book of Eli, highly recommend it really underrated Denzel Washington movie. Um, In fact, I don't even get bored of the fact that in the last sort of ten films, there's that exact same scene where he looks to the camera, looks to his protagonist and goes, my man, I don't care because he's a fucking great actor. (laughs) This is the first time he breaks that duck and does a sequel to The Equaliser? Anyway, the trailer got released for it and it looks interesting. Um, I'm not as excited about this as other properties he's worked on. Have you seen Man on Fire?
1: i love man on fire really good mo- underrated movie i think
0: exactly wouldn't it be great if there was some form of continuation on that like if you're gonna do a sequel why pick this one but anyway <laughs> i digress the sequel has been announced obviously about three or four months ago and the first trailer come out they tried to abbreviate it by calling it eq2 which sounds like a weird wing in a hospital but who <laughs> cares um it's great to see denzel on screen it's great to see denzel in whatever he does so that's the trailer that's come out for it um I probably won't necessarily go see it unless I have to review it for this podcast. But, um, yeah, if that means we get more Denzel sequels in the future, then I'm all happy. What's your take, John?
1: Yeah, um, why not? Jim Carrey just did it, didn't he? He never did one, and um, he was famous for not doing sequels, and then he's he did Dumb and Dumber 2, <laughs> of course, which we don't want to talk about. Um <laughs> So yeah, let's do it. And go see Fallen. Have you ever seen Fallen? That's an underrated Denzel Washington movie.
0: Oh God. What's the one where he's um he's he's like a, a paraplegic detective and he has to he has to communicate with a rookie cop. I think it's called Kiss the Girls or Along Came a Spider. Okay. Well am I thinking of a completely different franchise? I might be completely wrong on that. Uh no, the Bone Collector, that was it, sorry. Um yeah ah, he's he's repertoire is incredible like if we're te- if we have to convince you how good Denzel Washington is then that's going to be very weird because you probably would have seen him in a film we don't need to convince you there's so many good films he- but start with Man on Fire if you have not seen it
1: He's an actor that just has the seal of approval. If he's in a movie, I'm like, I'll definitely give this the time of day.
0: Yeah, 100%. In fact, Netflix, um, they do algorithms of checking your viewing history. And that's why sometimes you might look at someone else's Netflix homepage and go, oh, wait a minute, why is the artwork on, I don't know, Stranger Things got a different picture to what I'm seeing? Well, that's because Netflix are using your history to try and serve you up different images. Now, when I go on Netflix, all I see is pictures of Denzel Washington and uh, just anything he's been in, or actors that have been in films with him. Because, like you, know, like you say, if I see he's in it, I'm like, I've got to watch it. Because, it, mm. you know, you're getting... Like, um, oh, what's that one he done with Robert Zemakis? Uh Recent, half-ish recently, about a pilot. Uh, flight. flight. Um, I generally... I thought that was pretty boring film, but Denzel Washington makes it so it's captivating. Yeah, you think Facebook knows a lot about you.
1: It turns out Netflix is creeping up. They know they've got a lot of shit on you, (laughs) Flinty.
0: Well, um, yeah, there's no incognito mode on Netflix, so I better be careful. (laughs) But uh, anyway, let's 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 crack on and wrap up the news. So, um, Solo, uh, the Han Solo movie, which is coming out, I believe, on the 11th of May. I may be wrong with that, but. um, coming out very very soon and lots of things are dropping trailers are dropping tv spots are dropping toys are being released and we're starting to see the millennium falcon for the first time obviously the iconic ship that has lived through most star wars movies and it is a it is a staple of the universe which if you put a dad in his 40s with a bloke in his 20s and a daughter in her in her early, early teens with a toddler in the same room and put a Millennium Falcon in there, whether it be made out of Lego or whatever, chances are they all know what it is and they all think it's pretty chuffing cool. Anyway, in the new Solo movie, they have unveiled the, the origins of the Millennium Falcon and it looks slightly different. There's some things that aren't quite right. It's not got a segment missing in the front of it. So... It's leading people to come up with really creative stories of, oh, okay, what's actually happened to this ship to become the way it has and and everything else. I'm more excited about seeing uh, Donald Glover as Lando Carizian in this because every shot I see of this guy, he oozes character, he oozes just charm. He's a generally funny guy anyway. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Community, like, watch that show purely for, for Donald Glover, but it's actually hilarious in general anyway. Um, John, are you a Donald Glover fan? Do you watch Community?
1: I I watched. Uh, I think I've seen just one series, but yeah, I do really like it. And he, everyone, I mean, everyone's funny in that show, isn't it? It's just almost like competing for who's the funniest, and it's a close one. But Donald Glover's brilliant, in it? I
0: agree. It it's one of those shows where the entire cast has all gone on to be mega superstars in their own right so you think about Alison Brie she has got, she went on to Mad Men but then started her own films as well and has appeared in shows like Glow on Netflix you've got uh, Joel McHale who was in quite a few films but he's got his own show on Netflix as well you've got uh, Jen Chong who was in those Hangover movies which I know you love John I mean literally the list goes on and on and on everyone in that show and that's a sign of a hallmark of special talent and, yeah, it's very rare that happens. But, um, but anyway, moving away from Solo, which, you know, we can't wait to see now. We're starting to get excited, which is great. And, by the way, anyone who's releasing a film at the moment, you have got big brass balls because you've got Star Wars, uh, so, sorry, the Han Solo Star Wars film coming out. We've got Avengers Infinity War coming out. There are so many things that's going to take all the money in the box office. And that's why, uh, in our big review of Rampage later, I've got some real high praise for that. But, anyway, uh, just to wrap it up, it's... Uh, the Hollywood remake of the beloved uh, TV movie, which scared the shit out of us with Pennywise, they've announced James McElroy is going to be joining the cast of Jessica Chastain. Now this cast is getting bigger and better and it's just more prestige with every announcement. So this is going to be stellar. It can't, it can't be a flop. This this is going to be amazing. What's your take? You're a James McElroy fan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Couldn't possibly be over doing it. Expendable style. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. It's not going to disappoint you, Flinty. Don't worry. Sequels never disappoint. It's going to be great. They're not overcompensating. It's going to be great.
0: it it, it is i I actually i generally have hope for this uh, as although john may have put some examples there of other films that may not have put a big cast together and done so well but um i'll tell you what ensemble cast that's going to do well uh, i hope anyway so fast and furious it's kind of become its own universe right in terms of success and it brings in billions every time they release a new a new film from that jason statham and the rock uh Hello B's Name, have now decided that they're going to do a spin-off movie where it's just their characters, and David Lynch, um, you may know him as the director of John Wick, but he's also recently worked on Deadpool, as well as brought us Atomic Blondes to the screen. He's going to be directing this spin-off movie, which, that Jason Statham, awesome, The Rock, he's just, he's the biggest star in the world at the moment, and a director who really gets action, who really can just... I mean, he's a he's an ex-stunt man, right? So he knows how to do choreography, and it shows in every one of his films. We've each one of those films, we've given really high scores to on Talk Filmy to me, and yeah, I can't wait to see this. What's your take, John? Yeah,
1: looking forward to this one. Sounds like they've got a good match. I'm not a big fan of Fast and Furious. You'll be uh, surprised to learn, but I will give it the time of day if if you if you gets your seal of approval, Flinty. I will give it a go.
0: I've. I agree with you. Fast and Furious movies, I'm not a massive fan of. um, But I can appreciate the set and the spectacle and the awe of them. And, you know, the big sort of, I don't know, kerfuffle between Vin Diesel and The Rock... Uh, I've got to say, sorry, Vin. Although you may be Groot, this is the Rock, and since he came to the franchise, it became the world's biggest franchise outside of, uh, or so to say, of its own IP, not dependent on on other medias like comic books or video games or TV shows. So, um, yeah, yeah, let it let it rain, let it bring more films. And I think you couldn't uh... before. I love him
1: i think you can tell a lot about a person by how many fast and furious movies they've watched i think that'd be more accurate than a lot of the personality tests you get that are really convoluted <laughs> i think if you just asked how many that would tell you everything you need to know <laughs> i might try that i'll
0: bear that in mind yeah yeah.
1: yeah. ask well, how many you watch what's your favorite one <laughs> i've watched one oh, no, the, quite... one the first one
0: so that tells you uh, i've never watched the first one me. actually I've, the first one I've watched was the third one and that was because I was working at a cine world at the time and it was on constantly and I generally thought it was a good film like I generally enjoyed it and then I think it was like the sixth the one when they're in London because right. I think I was working at an office where they filmed like a lot of it, and I was like, "Oh, I want to watch it" because I was by the office. And yeah, look, they're big, dumb movies with lots of explosions and crazy set pieces, where people far unqualified to be taking on these orders and are actually criminals are or following orders from a government. But you know what? Take it for what it is. Hey, it's got um, it's got some pretty good actors in it. So so give it give it a whirl and, and not judge, I suppose. Anyway, shall we crack on with some reviews? Yes.
1: The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony.
0: Cool. So Isle of Dogs, uh, a stop animation comedy Uh, Written and directed by Wes Anderson and this is a film which I have been quite public in saying I don't really like the look of this film, I don't really like the animation and before I saw this film I went and saw an exhibition of some of the uh, pieces used, the set, uh, set pieces that were made, of the modelling used. And I was captivated by this. Um, it was such a beautiful set of pieces they put out for us to look at. I've got loads of pictures. I end up, I'll put them on our Twitter feed eventually at some point, I'm sure. And um, that all of a sudden got me a little bit more excited to go see this film. In terms of voice cast, it's absolutely incredible. We've got Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Francis MacDonald, Courtney B. Vase, uh, Liv I can't ever pronounce his name, but Ray from Ray Donovan, Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swindon, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, pedigree of writing, Wes Anderson, he has a very weird style, very charming style, and he's even dabbled in this animation style before with Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I wasn't a fan of, but I can appreciate the the art form from it. Anyway... Plot of this film, and I'm I'm not gonna go into too much detail because A, the film is not in cinemas anymore, so I can't even recommend for you to go see it because you can't. And B, we've got so many other things to crack on with. But I wanted to give this film a bit of airtime. So in case you're not aware, the plot of this film, it's kind of like a dystopian near future where in Japan a virus has been spreading throughout the population um, mainly because of dogs so they decide to take an action to take all the dogs from Megasati city and move it over to this trash island where they've been living there for a little while basically it's a story about six months after this happens um, a child somehow ends up on the island via a crash landing because he thinks he's going to space, and he is rescued by five dogs. And these dogs take him across a journey to help him find a his way home. But also, he lost his dog, which he's missing terribly. It's quite a charming story from that perspective. It got a lot of uh, flack in the media because, for some, you know, Wes Anderson decided to make the decision that all the dogs would be speaking in English to each other, and every. Person in this film would be speaking in Japanese, with the exception of one or two characters who are who are basically travelling to Japan to to report on on current events. A lot of people have said this is cultural disappropriation. That there's what's the point in doing this if you're not actually going to use the fact you're in Japan as a story point? I think you're probably reading into it a little bit too much, but I can kind of understand that if there's no narrative reason to set this story in Japan other than just they're japanese then why did why did it have to be japan why can it be why can it be london why can't it be la but then again there's that argument of saying why don't you showcase the rest of the world for christ's sake so i can see both sides of that and i found it quite charming i did enjoy certain parts of it i'm not necessarily going to be ranting and raving about how great it is i generally thought the animation did look good actually seeing it live but um yeah i'm going to go three out of five for this one it's well worth
1: watching the making of behind-the-scenes behind the sort of stuff that you can see on YouTube. It's really fascinating, and it I think it gives you a, definitely an extra level of respect for what they've done, because Wes, Wes Anderson was very conscious to use, like for when he wanted smoke scenes or something, he would use actual sort of cotton wool or something. Everything was very organic. Um, and I think that really pays off, because it's, it's kind of an original-looking movie, isn't it? And the music also goes kind of along with that i think i think it's a really interesting sort of feel exactly words out of my mouth nobody's giving up around here and don't you forget it ever you're rex you're king you're duke
0: you're boss
1: i'm chief what about what's our next review flinty
0: so, just to, to quickly go at the pace on this one. So, came out about two weeks ago. It's called A Quiet Place. It's a horror movie directed by John Krastansky. Um, he was in the American version of The Office. Um, he's traditionally a comedy actor, and of all his writings he's done before, this is his first take into horror. Um, he's actually roped in his wife, Emily Blunt, to play a part in this as well. It was actually produced by Michael Bay's company, um, Platinum Dunes, which... I was when I first heard the concept of this, I was like, oh, okay, it's kind of interesting. Even with Michael Bay's fingerprints from a few from afar on this, um, the concept is it's kind of set in a near future where it's kind of dystopian. Kind, well, I say dystopian, kind of post-apocalyptic. Um, set around 2020, where most of Earth's population has been wiped out by this new type of creature. Um, I won't spoil where they've come from, but basically there's a, mon- there's a species of monsters that are obliterating the human race. They've known them. They've kind of given this nickname, Death Angels. And the way they detect people is by sound. They're hypersensitive. So, um, and a society has managed to spring up in the midst of this this new world, and there are ways of getting around so you'll notice in the film there's paths made of sand so hopefully you don't make too much noise everyone carries with them a cloth the entire time it feels like a sound experiment to begin with like the first 20-25 minutes of this film there's very very little noise which really did piss me off because I was trying to open up a bottle of coke in the cinema and every time I opened it everyone looked at me you could hear a pin drop but it was really interesting it was a sound experiment that's the way I'd describe it um, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski obviously have amazing chemistry together. They're actually married in real life. They portray a family going through this experience, trying to... It's kind of like a journeyman's experience in terms of trying to get their family across the line. Um, their child is death so they've been able to communicate via sign language. There's some really interesting takes, and you can tell the director and his team sat down, and screenplay by Brian Woods and Scott Beck, they sat down and figured out, okay, if this was really to happen, and we could only get around without making noises, or we could we could only communicate very briefly, how would we do this? And there's a lot of thinking going behind this. I'd love to hear Jamie, um, as in Jamie Hannon, who pops on here every now and again, hear his take on the science of sound, because... Some of this stuff I find very believable. Some of it's a bit far-fetched, but more importantly, the writing style of this film. If you think about Jordan Peele with Get Out, he was traditionally a comedy writer, and he produced Get Out, you know, an amazing horror film, which um, you can kind of see the comedy elements to it. But it was very much a horror film, but it kind of redefined horror for for the last for the last year or so. And I feel like a quiet place is, pardon the pun, quietly doing that. And um, John Kristansky really did bring elements of delivery and I think if you think about comedy good comedy is all about delivery right I can write something funny John can write something funny but if we don't deliver it properly you ain't gonna laugh and it's similar with horror right if you can we can all write a particularly scary film but you've got to build the suspense you've got to build the the pitter patter of anticipation and the element of using sound as a driving force for that really makes this movie unique and uh, I I was I was shitting myself in this film I was scared there were jumpy bits, but it wasn't necessarily shock horror jumpy bits, it was the anticipation of sound. So I, I think this film deserves to be praised, and I think it deserves all the, the high praises getting at the moment. Yes,
1: yeah, I mean, the best review I've seen it get is from Stephen King on Twitter, who said, A Quiet Place is an extraordinary extraordinary piece of work, terrific acting, but the main thing is the silence and how it makes the camera's eye open wide in a way few movies manage. And that's gotten 105,000 likes. So obviously a lot of people were agreeing with him. And obviously John Krasinski was absolutely amazed that he got such an, uh, from, from one of the great horror writers, so i mean that's quite a seal of approval and what a move from yeah. being jim in the american office which he does absolutely incredibly to writing a really original horror i mean i i love that crossover and i'm so glad that it's been a successful one so kudos to john
0: Yeah, 100%. There's a really interesting story, if you ever get a chance. Google John Krastansky Marvel uh, interview. And what he does, he talks about, um, back in the day, he auditions to be Captain America. And he uh, turned up, he got through to the final screenplay testing. So what they do, what that means is the costumes made for you in your dimensions, you are in the costume and you are doing final screenplay tests with other potential actors at that point you've pretty much got the role it's more to do with okay let's just make sure you've got the chemistry with the other person or maybe there's a few other people they're doing for other roles and they just want to see how they 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 work with you sort of thing he got through to that stage he had his own captain america outfit made and um, he bumped into chris hemsworth who was also auditioning for for four at the time and he just looked, he put the suit on, he looked in the mirror and was just like, yeah, man, I've got buff for this. I've I've worked out, this is great. And then he walked in and saw Chris Hemsworth, went, ah, I might as well just take the fucking outfit off because I I can clearly see what you're going for here. I need, I, I'm not this man. It's a shame. It would have been mm-hmm. interesting to see his take on that. But what's quite interesting is because of this film, people have seen um, the, how him and Emily Blunt work together. Obviously, you imagine them to have great chemistry, they're married in real life. But um, there's a campaign now saying with marvel acquiring the rights from fox back to fantastic four that we should have john Krasinski and emily blunt play the reed richards and sue storm in this new adaptation and i think that's building up momentum i wouldn't be surprised if he actually ends up playing a big role in these films in the future so it's weird how these things go sort of turn around
1: yeah yes yeah, amazing how social media campaigns now kind of have uh, quite a lot of power for it stuff like this.
0: Cool. So I'm going to review A Quiet Place. I'm going four out of five. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I think it's one of those films that's going to age well when it comes out on Blu-ray. I think we're all going to buy it. We're all going to watch it again and again. And I think when we talk about the films of the year, which, by the way, 2018 has been such a good year for film, um, maybe because we've been reporting a lot more in-depth um, than any other year that I've known of in terms of my own viewing of films. But this... If you think about how good January was, and all of a sudden it's now kicking us in the balls with films like... Uh, a quiet place and we've got things like Han Solo which might do quite well Jurassic World sequel and obviously Infinity War Uh, you know will that take the mantle who knows right it's just 2018 is so good and this is going to be definitely a key milestone in making horror films great again you know people will I think they will put this in the same light as Get Out so yeah four out of five last night George was seven feet and weighed 500 pounds George, you okay, buddy? You're scared. It's okay. This morning he's nine feet
1: pushing a thousand.
0: So, if you told me at the start of the year that we were going to get two big video game adaptations on screen, one of them being a grounded reboot of the Tomb Raider franchise with some really good cast and some great writing on a proven franchise material reboot as well as a completely unknown game rampage from the 80s that kind of got remade into playstation where the rocks in it and it's just a big cg gorilla and the tagline is big meets bigger and you're telling me that the Rampage game was going to be a million times better than the Tomb Raider reboot, I would have said, shut the front door. You are crazy AF. That is not possible. But here we are. What a time to be alive. Rampage, starring The Rock, is a film based around the original computer game Rampage, loosely anyway. So the concept of this is that, and bear with me because it does get a little bit cray, but hopefully we'll all join the dots at the end of it. So basically, there's a secret experiment going on In a space station hovering around the Earth by an evil corporation. There's an accident that happens where some of these experiments end up crash landing to Earth. They crash land in three places. Into an ape enclosure. Into a forest. And into a swamp. Now in this ape enclosure, the rock works there. As a aptologist for lack of a better word he is the the carer of a ape called george who's an albino or albino whatever country how you want to pronounce that is gorilla and basically poor george absorbs some of this toxin and becomes a giant raging filled gorilla and um, in the other places where it lands a wolf conducts uh, a bit of a experiment and unfortunately becomes a giant wolf and a alligator swallows some of this experiment and becomes a giant alligator um, the Rock then has to chase poor George who's running across the country because the evil corporation for as a way to try and uh, get their experiments back in one place they would set off a beacon attracting these animals into one place. Now, unfortunately, these am- animals leave a rampage of destruction in their wake, and it's obviously a terrible idea, but they decide to go with it anyway. Um, that's the premise of the film, really. I don't want really to go into too much detail other than that. Just think of big animals crashing through shit. Um, you've got a gorilla bigger than King Kong. You've got a lizard the size of Godzilla, and you've got a wolf the size of a building there for good measure. And the rock... Tussling between the whole lot of it. Now, I've I've gone on record before and said that The Rock is the biggest uh, actor on the planet. He is so cr- like physically, but also also in terms of his he's just general box office pull at the moment as well. He is so charming in this film. He is in full on peak rock mode. John, what's your favourite rock movie? Um,
1: well, we discussed Dramanji and I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, I, th- I think I'd probably go with that f- for me. What's yours?
0: Rampage. This is this is taking it. Jumanji was was there, but uh, yeah, and you know, to be fair, he's quite good in in those fast movies as well. But uh, yeah, this is peak rock. He somehow looks bigger in this film. I didn't think it was possible for a man that size to get even bigger, but he's even more buff in this. We've got uh, Naomi Harris playing Kate Waddle, who is a genetic engineer who teams up with him. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson plays a guy called Davis Okoye, which Everyone seems to keep pronouncing wrong throughout the film, but just a standout performance as well is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. You may know him as the comedian in the Watchmen movie, but also more importantly for me, anyway, he's Negan in The Walking Dead. He is—he's a steam—he—he he steals the scenes when he's in this one. So he plays a guy called Harvey Russell, who's a government agent who works with an agency called O.G.A. Essentially, to put it in his own lines. When science shits the bed, they call me to clean the sheets. He is just so charismatic. He is so funny. He brings all that Negan charm, as well as this film, you know, as you can tell by the synopsis, it's crazy. It's just big explosions. It's popcorn. It's just a laugh. And he compliments that all so well. Um, I generally didn't think I would enjoy this film as much as I did. It is a thrill ride. The special effects are great. There is a general chemistry between The Rock, should I say, sorry, Dave, should I say, and George, the big gorilla. Um, the two bad guys who run the evil corporation as brother and sister, they've got an interesting dynamic as well. It is just everything you want in a big summer blockbuster. It's perfect from that perspective. Yes, there are massive plot holes. Yes, you are not going to go home and say, this, is, this made me feel again, or this made me want to write home and tell everyone about this amazing film that challenged the status quo on race. No, of course not it is just a big summer blockbuster and you need some big balls to release a film right now because right now everyone's gearing up to infinity war everyone's gearing up to solo everyone's waiting for jurassic world if you're releasing a movie right now it's probably suicide or a lot of people consider that not the rock when he's back in a film like this and just a one big shout out to the cast and directors on this they all clearly love the franchise they all clearly love the film and I listened to a podcast with the director in. Um, the director was actually Brad Payton. And he said, I wanted everyone to bring 110% to this film. I, if you if you look like you weren't putting any effort in, I'll fire you on the spot. And that shows in this film. People cared. People brought their A-game to this. And this is the third time that Brad Payton's worked with The Rock. He's worked with him on Journey 2, um, that kiddie film they'd done a while back also worked with him on San Andreas which again was kind of a surprise disaster movie big budget big blockbuster big summer film and this is kind of the I suppose the Brad Payton rock trilogy with Rampage John so, I know you're you're a sucker for the classic games. Well, I'm
1: so glad that we found a good video game adaptation. Um I haven't seen it, but if you are to believed and I trust you Flinty, um I'm looking forward to this one and yeah, I've seen obviously seen the trailer, get geared me up for it, some great lines. Um obviously Rock's charming as hell and whoever gets sick of huge animals smashing big cities up i mean we've had that since king kong the original king kong we love that shit as as audience members why do we love that do you think
0: ah i don't know there's there's definitely a there's an interesting feature or podcast in that in terms of (laughs) why do we love these creatures so much but um yeah there's something there's something cool about it and um like i said the rocks in full charm offensive on this film and the first line he steps out with is just like uh he just goes we shouldn't do this in front of the ladies and uh, he's got a woman with him she goes no I can take he goes no I'm not talking about you I'm talking about them and there's a bunch of female gorillas nearby the show his character loves gorillas and he's looking after them but uh, there's just so much about this film to like as long as you're happy to go in and understand what you're going in for it's a big loud bang stupid summer blockbuster then you're going to come away with a big smile on your face Um, the rock I he's been in so many films of late it was kind of like a social media campaign of guess the film and it was really hard to guess because the rock kind of wears the same thing in every film it's a khaki shirt out in the jungle right (laughs) and um, it was like are you looking at Jumanji are you looking at Rampage are you looking at at San Andreas and you can't you can literally splice them in other films but you know what if it works go with it and if you think about the rock's back catalogue of films there are some good films in there and he he's still going he I mean, he's he's nowhere near looking like he's going to let up anytime soon must be one of the hardest working people in the business and he deserves everything like he's from his his character from WWE taking that through into the film career Ballers is a great show as well if you haven't seen that that's his his show in the states i think you can stream it off now tv at the moment it's yeah yeah, you know, I can't I can't praise the guy enough. And this film, okay, after I've just spent 20 minutes sucking it off, I'm going three out of five because, come on, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> it's a really good film, but it's not that good. <laughs> but, uh, is yeah, Rampage.
1: The Rock is our Schwarzenegger, though, isn't he? He's our generation's Schwar- Schwarzenegger. I don't think that's... Uh, I wouldn't say that as being overly kind. I think he is in that ballpark.
0: I would go one on and say that Arnie's a great actor and he's been in some amazing films but I've seen The Rock do some really deep stuff which I don't think Arnie could have ever have done whether that be due to language barriers or just not being able to express himself or remote that way The Rock's got layers and I think one day we'll end up seeing that uh, outside of the, the action popcorn flicks I think he could if he wanted to go into more of a dramatic role but he can do anything man like he's, he, he might even run for president one day for all we know so um, yeah Definitely go see this if you get a chance. Get your popcorn. Get Bring the kids. Everyone's going to have a good time. Rampage, three out of five. Got back.
1: You have to evacuate Chicago. George didn't ask for this. They're going to put him down. That's not happening.
0: So, we've been talking about this for for years and this has all been building up over the last 10 years. The combination of 18 movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, comes to a semi-conclusion or it transitions into its new phase of films with Avengers Infinity War there will be a follow up movie released next year but we don't know the title we don't know the cast we don't know the synopsis because it is so heavily dependent on what's happening in Infinity War in fact it has been kept such sec- uh, so many secrets have been kept about this film uh, they've not allowed any press screenings until the night of release because they just so much changes there's so much spoilers They just Disney are just so insistent on keeping all this locked together now if you've not seen all 18 MCU movies, That's but me. you've watched Black Panther or you've seen <laughs> uh, you've seen Iron Man and you think, okay, am I going to get Infinity War? Chances are you will because the Russo brothers are incredible writers and they probably will do it in a way where even some can come in and see Infinity War not seeing the other ones will probably still get what's going on. But I appreciate that 18 movies is a lot to catch up with between now and the 26th. So I'm going to do a quick condense of what are the films you probably should see if you need to see some films before Infinity War and if you do get a chance to watch them please do if not go on YouTube type in just what do I need to know for Infinity War and someone will give you a much better real deep uh, deep dive but these are the films I enjoyed and also set up the storyline so that when you get to Infinity War you know what the flip's going on so I'm going to start off with Captain America the first Avenger the titles kind of gives it away Steve Rogers is the first of his kind it's not the first movie that was released but this is the first story tropes that will be uh, kind of to this. You also get to see the first infinity stone for the first time in this. Next one I want to talk about is actually the Avengers because to be fair, you can kind of get away without seeing Iron Man and Incredible Hulk and Thor because it all comes to a conclusion of a mini storyline in the Avengers where you get to see these guys pull together to- for the first time. You get to see the Tesseract being used as well as introduced to Loki who's a key part of this universe and also actually in a post-credit scene you get to see Thanos who's the big bad guy in Infinity War at the end of this film. Now the next film I'm going to recommend you watch is not the best film, in fact it's the worst film in the MCU for the Dark World. The sequel to For, the follow-up after the Avengers, the kind of set place of what happens for age of ultron basically this film is kind of a car trash it's not particularly good but there are some really important story tropes in this it introduces an infinity stone known as the reality stone and it's a key part of the storyline it's the only time you ever see it in the mcu it's a very key important plot point it does give you some dynamics in terms of the relationship between Thor and loki and you really get to see that progress on that so from that perspective i highly recommend that part the next one i'm going to recommend is guardians of the galaxy yeah. <laughs> For me, if you had to draw a list of all 18 movies, this probably would be number one. This film was such a breath of fresh air. James Gunn delivered on all fronts. It introduced us properly to Chris Pratt in a movie sense. Obviously, Parks and Rec fans will turn around and say we've seen him plenty of time before do those comedy chops, but this was a, a just a joy to behold. It was a senses for the eyes. It was a, just an amazing palate cleanser of all we've seen before. This is really important because it introduces Gamora, who is daughter of Fan it introduces the power infinity stone and it sets up it makes you realize that the whole marvel cinematic universe isn't just focused on earth and asgard it's actually a whole wide universe out there and these characters are really fundamental to that the next one i'm going to go to is age of ultron uh, the se- the second avengers movie this film was very hard to follow up the Avengers with it was Josh Whelan's last time of working with with the MCU it did introduce us um, Vision which is the ultimate long con game on this Paul Bettany was in the original Iron Man movie voicing the AI they would never know that in nearly eight years following that, he would reprise that role, not as an AI, but taking that consciousness and putting it into a robot and becoming the holder of an Infinity Stone. Yes, John, I know that sounds fucking cray, but they pulled it off and pulled Bettany as a revelation in it. It's a very important part of the storyline, so it's important from that perspective. Now, to wrap this up, the kind of how did we get to Infinity War, there had to be a situation where the Avengers was divided, and they done that with Captain America's third film, Civil War. This is so important to the storyline. You understand why the Avengers are in the state they're in. It introduced us Tom Holland as Spider-Man. It introduced us Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, leading to Black Panther, which, as we know, is a cultural and critical success. And finally, to wrap it all up, The last two I'm going to recommend you watch is Doctor Strange because it's got our boy Benedict Cumberbatch being the main role in this. It introduces another Infinity Stone. He's going to be a key part of Infinity War and we know that a lot of this takes place in the Sanctum Sanctorum as well as in Wakanda. And finally, for Ragnarok, Taika Waititi's epic space opera. Now, no Infinity Stones are in this film. In fact, they barely even reference the other films, but the final scene in this movie is the direct prequel to what's going to happen in Infinity War. So if, if I have to basically start from scratch and work your way through, just to recap, start off with Captain America, go to the Avengers, after the Avengers, watch the sequel to Four, Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, Civil War... Doctor Strange and finally for Ragnarok. If you get a chance to see it in cinema before, because they're doing a lot of cinemas are actually doing a double feature of this, maybe watch Black Panther and then watch Infinity War. But that is your top eight films you need to see before you go see Infinity War. There you you have it, John. I've lined it up for you, mate. Get them downloaded. You can
1: do it all in one sick day,
0: possibly. Once uh, we've we've been to our viewing of Infinity War, we've got to go into a real deep dive on this. There'll be lots of specials, there'll be lots of things coming out from this and also potentially even got a giveaway as well from some cool toys from the Infinity War franchise. So, um, so there you have it. Those are the films you should see before Infinity War. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the subscribe, like, whatever button it is on your podcast service to make sure you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. My name's been Adam Flint. You can find us on Twitter at Talk Filmy to Me. I'd like to thank my astute guests. John, how can people find you?
1: People can find me on Twitter at Descamento, ranting and raving.
0: Great. Next week, it'll be our dive into Infinity War. We'll be back with Connect the Dots and we'll also be bringing you a streaming gem. Which, by the way, if you, this first time you listen to it, our Streaming Gems basically where we take some original content from Netflix and tell you how shit it is. Anyway, till next time.
1: We're down in the basement.
0: We'll lock the cellar door and baby.
1: Talk filmy to me.